shotglassdigital.com. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks and their new Cosmic Cupcakes. To learn more, go to littledebbie.com forward slash Cosmic Cupcakes. With movies, gaming, books, comics, and collecting, a Little Debbie snack makes everything a little sweeter. Little Debbie, official snack of the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. Rebel Force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Well, no sooner does Matthew Myatt discover the Episode 7 set. Now you got Latino Review flying around up there. I didn't know El Mayimbe could fly a plane. Or hell, what's he up there going? I see. He's like Chopper Dave now. I see an X-Wing. I see a Millennium Falcon. I see. <laughs> what's going on? And he's giving traffic reports on the nine. <laughs> Latino Review. Our planes in the air. We're up our choppers, whatever. Uh, so, of course, the excitement has not died down since um, uh, pilot Matthew Myatt, who we spoke to last week here on Rebel Force Radio, uh, discovered the one of the shooting locations for Episode 7. It was it appears to be a Rebel base with the Millennium Falcon and, and now several X-Wings, and we're seeing all kinds of different colors and all kinds of stuff. We'll be talking about it here uh, once more on Rebel Force Radio, your source for the Force, here for this week's show, September 19th, 2014. Great to be with you. Glad that you could be with us and uh, with me, as always, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Yeah, that's right. We had pilot Matthew Myatt on with us last week, and Myatt was the guy who actually took the first photos, actually discovered this shooting location in England at Greenham Common, which is this old, out-of-use Air Force base. It's actually where the U.S. Air Force would keep missile silos and things of that nature. So it's being used as a Star Wars shooting location. So once Matthew checked it out, wouldn't you know it, everyone with a camera within a 30-mile radius of the base has descended upon it, and there's been a lot of interesting footage showing up online, um, people shooting uh, things like helicopters flying into position to get good shots of um, the acting going on there or whatever sort of footage you're shooting. I saw one video online. Boy, I can't remember what it was, but it was actually a – you can hear in the background – a director saying action and yelling for John Boyega, and you would see troops running across this little runway. Here we go. And camera's ready and everybody. Like it's the first time. Roll camera. Roll camera. Set and background camera action. Denise, Denise, Denise. John Boyega, John. And we have cut. That was a great one, folks. Best so far. 
everyone dressed in very olive drab, I've noticed in a lot of these pictures, too. Yeah. So I don't know if this is Star Wars or G.I. Joe, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's really cool to see it all unfold. And it's all a result of just this this chance photo that Matthew Maya took. And he told us all about it last week on the show. Now, here's the cool thing. I've been in touch with Matthew uh, back and forth since the show went live, and he uh, really appreciated the uh, coverage we provided of his photo and uh, and all the uh, mayhem that ensued afterwards. And so he was so touched by that, Jason, that he's going to send both you and me individually signed prints of that famous photo that... Oh my gosh! No kidding. Launched. Yeah, so um, that I, I thought, wow, what a what a keepsake. That's that's really great. But it doesn't stop there. He's actually going to make an additional special print for a Rebel Force Radio listener for us to give away. So he's he's sharing, and and that's awesome. So uh, that's what we're going to do. We have a new contest. It's a Matthew Myatt photo print giveaway here on Rebel Force Radio. The first pictures of the Millennium Falcon in that. X-Wing that was then covered in tarp, and um, we'll talk about what was under that tarp later in the show. But it's so cool that Matthew's doing this. So what we're going to do is is we're going to do it the same way we've been doing our giveaways lately. We're looking for Facebook shares, Facebook shares of this show post. So whenever we go live with the new Rebel Force Radio, this one for September 19th, 2014, uh, we always create a post at Facebook that has a description of the show and our unique cover art for that show and uh, a link. So what we want people to do is just simply share that post on your own personal Facebook pages or whatever other pages you might manage and spread the word about Rebel Force Radio. We're going to give you guys two weeks to do this. In, in two weeks, we'll be back and we will announce who our winner is. But that's a really great giveaway. It's a one-of-a-kind collectible. It's such a great shot. And, uh, yeah, really, it's, it's caused a lot of uh, fervor out there in the, uh, in the England Plains. And uh, it's really cool to see uh, all the footage that has then been released or leaked or yeah. captured after Matthew took that. Well, he kicked over photo. a hornet's nest. I'll tell you. Yeah, that. yeah, that's it. That's it for sure. Hey, by the way, you know what? I think we are. Uh, I think we've got our special guest here with us. Do we? We have. Uh, I think on the line. We've got it for the whole show, guys. So this is going to be awesome. Uh, Kyle Newman. Hey, 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 there he is. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you great, loud and clear. Fantastic. Well, welcome back to Rebel Force Radio, man. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. It is like you never left, because I think uh, we reference you just about each show. I There's- do hear that. Sometimes I'm in a car with some strange person or, you know, a relative. And like, did they just say your name? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. They have no interest in Star Wars. We're on a long road trip, and I'll just put it on like, uh, is this Star Wars radio? <laughs> is this and some I, kind yes, of a nerd is. thing? Yes, <laughs> Oh, don't go there. But it's been, a while. it's been a while since we've actually had you on the show with us. You've been so busy directing and editing Barely Lethal. So where are we at with that film? I'm happy to say it is done. We've got um, a little bit of time until it comes out, but we just did three great test screenings in the L.A. area. And just a phenomenal response. And I'm just so excited to... Uh, unleash it on the world give everyone a chance to see it i'm so pleased with it 
across the board, every actor in it, it's just a joy to work with. Uh, you know, it's a pleasure just being on that set. I mean, they did all the hard work and I, I just have blessed with the best, best cast. And, you know, it starts with Sam Jackson all the way down and every role. It's just, it was just a dream. So I'm really happy it's done. And now just focusing on some marketing stuff, you know, I helped design this, the teaser poster that's out for it, uh, which you can see. Very cool, by the way. Yeah. Oh, you like it? Cool. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, very much. So. Um, I saw, something a little yeah. more intriguing, you know, that didn't just show a bunch of heads on a poster. Right. And it's got a little edge to it, but it's also fun. It's got a little bit of a a girl DNA to it, but it's really something for everybody, you know, which I hope that the poster kind of indicates. But more than anything, it's just fun. And it's just uh, what I set out to make is is what I ended up with. I'm really pleased. Well, you know, a lot of people have been asking me, what is Barely Lethal all about? So is there any way you can provide us with just sort of a, a little spoiler-free summary of what it's all about? Yeah, in a nutshell, it's a it's an action comedy uh, set mostly in high school. So it's kind of like a throwback to all those classic movies, but it has an action twist to it. And uh, it's about Haley Steinfeld, who plays an agent at a secret government school that Sam Jackson runs, which takes young girls, primarily orphans, and turns them into uh, special ops people that do very um, off-the-radar missions. And she's the top, uh, as good as it gets. But there's always been something wrong where she doesn't totally fit in, and she doesn't really know who, who exactly she is. And she's always had this uh, you know, affinity for some of the pop culture she discovers that she has no access to. You know, the shows about high school and this life that she thinks she's missing that other kids have, other teenagers. So... She goes off the grid and, you know, that's where the movie really begins and she goes to a normal high school, you know, which is like this anywhere USA and realizes it's, it's a lot harder than she could have ever imagined. And then her past in the form of um, some of these villains, you know, come back to haunt her people from that she's taken down in her past. So it's got a little bit of everything in a very unique and fun way. So it's, it's, a, it's a high concept concoction, you know, and it really works. Yeah, and what's great about it is, of course, Star Wars connection. Samuel L. Jackson is in it. And so here you are in the director's chair, and Sam Jackson walks onto the set for the first time. Um, I assume you had met him prior to that. Yes. How hard was it for you to maintain your professional integrity and not just break down and become the fanboy we know you are? You know what? It was extremely easy just because, you know, we were – when I'm in the – I can turn turn it on and off. You know, it's not it's not turning it off. It's just muting it for a little bit. So um, we had to get a job done, you know, and he came on the set. But he's like, I heard you're a big Star Wars fan. I was like, how do you know that? And he's like, word gets around, you know. So um, <laughs> we, we obviously talked about it during a lot of our downtime, that and more. You know, he's just a, a really brilliant guy who's – He's had a very long career and people know him from, you know, later in his life and stuff. But, you know, he's he's a studied actor since his 20s, you know, and just later in life that he kind of had a lot of success, you know, in the the way we know it, you know, on the big, big screen. Um, He's just it was fascinating to work with him. So I I talked to him as much about Star Wars as it did about other things. But he's always open to talk Star Wars and Mace Windu and his theories. And um I keep a very like fun and open set. So between takes, everyone is in a very buoyant kind of mood and and he was chatting it up with everybody. Cool. Cool. But I don't buy it for a second. I know you're a professional, but I don't buy it for a second. When Sam Jackson walked in, the first thing you thought of was star Wars. I know it. I know you. 
I did. No, the first thing you think of is like, is it's actually like your immediate professional fear. We're like, this guy is. Suppose I don't know something here. Suppose he asked me a question I don't know an answer to. Do I look like an idiot? You know what I mean? But I, I knew the story inside and out, and I knew, you know, why he was there, what he was going to bring to the table, and you know, so it was a collaboration. But there was that immediate fear of, you know, what's he going to be like to work with? Is he going to be difficult? Is he going to be open? Is he going to be? Go out and do his own thing. Is he gonna? You know, you don't know. So that's that's kind of was in my immediate um, psyche. You know, because he's just a huge persona. Everyone on on Earth knows who he is. You know, so here he comes wandering onto set, and you know, I'm, I'm your boss. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So that's cool. When when can we look forward to Barely Lethal being in theaters? Early 2015. And everyone who listens to this show will go and see that film. They better. You guys had better go see this thing because I've been spending years on it. That's why I haven't been on the Rebel Force Radio because I've been doing this. But, you know, I listen to you guys incessantly. And I told Jimmy earlier today I was listening to Oxygen. And I think, you know, the some of the programs you guys are putting out are just, just superb. That episode 10 of Oxygen is mind-blowing. It's yeah. fantastic. It's the <laughs> highest standard. It's like – it's the pinnacle of podcasting if you're into like very niche stuff and it's very specific. It's a subsect of, of Star Wars and Star Wars history and Star Wars influence and you know, on one level. But on another level, it's, it's a macro thing because it's about this thread that ties it all together. So it depends. Your perspective you know, kind of informs it. But if you are interested in learning you know, some, of these, some of these really specific things that make you – trigger these emotions or make you feel certain things you know david and jimmy do a fantastic job of breaking it down musically so you understand why you're connecting with a character or why a a moment resonates and um and i'm not like i don't read music or i don't know music like i'm a music buff but i'm not like i don't know the chords and all that and you don't have to know all that stuff but you know the way it's analyzed is so insightful i just i love that program well, thanks. You know, a lot of people have been blowing up uh, social media talking about Oxygen Volume 10, and uh, they should because David does put a lot of work, a lot of research into this, and he really does bring a very, very cool and, and interesting perspective on the music of Star Wars as both someone who really understands music and who really understands Star Wars. So it's so cool to see yeah. that come together. And yeah, um, uh, Oxygen Volume 10, uh, lots of people are hitting that one. So if you haven't done it yet, do it. And uh, a lot of people have also been asking us about Smuggler's Gambit, the sequel. People want to uh, get an update from you on uh, where we're at with uh, Smuggler's 2. Well, it's not going to be called Smuggler's Gambit 2, <laughs> but it's going to be called Smuggler's Something. So I think the through line is going to be the the smugglers in the title, but each one's going to have a different um, word to complement it, at least in theory. Because uh, I don't want people to show up there, you know, right, Jimmy? And they'll be like, oh, Smuggler's Gambit 2. I did not see Smuggler's Gambit 1. I will cross this off my <laughs> C7 checklist. And they're making it seven months prior. Yeah, but, I mean, anyone can go and listen to – um, oh. So the original Smugglers, it's uh, out there, StarWars.com. Yeah, you don't even have to know the original Smugglers. Even if you are down there and you've never listened to it and there's something wrong with you, then you could just roll in there and have a great time. And I will probably tell you that this panel will be more fun and funnier and livelier. But I do think there's something unique about what we, we offered last time and, and we're going to try to do this time, which is 
you just see talented actors performing something live right in your face. You watch the magic of it coming to life, characters coming to life. David Collins kills it as Han Solo. And um, Jimmy brings it to life in such a enchanting way. It's got all these live layers of music and sound and 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 characters that it's you close your eyes and it's it's a fun ride. We're trying to do something very different with this, and I think it worked last time really well, and that we got a great response, and that's why we're encouraged to do this follow up. And um, it's going to be more of the same, but better. Yeah, Jimmy, yeah. I think you, I think you um, played the most characters, right? Of anybody. Well, I definitely played Chewbacca and R two, <laughs> and 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 he played Sweatmaster Flex. Sweat, man. I was not sweating on stage. <laughs> not at that no, point. It, it was like strenuous. You were like orchestrating it like a wizard up there. You're like hitting all the buttons, and it was all the pressure was on you actually. And I was just sitting there nervous. Oh, you know? he was like, sweat. He was sweating buckets. But, he, was, but you know, he does that just walking across the street. I mean, uh, I do that each just, week when when Jason hits that theme song for rebel force radio each and every week, I'm just sweating buckets. It's, it's what? no different to me. Didn't Nick Gillard call you the sweat eye Jedi? Oh, uh, he didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> he, he, could, he could not believe what a sweat sock I was uh, with that lightsaber. He's just like, Oh man, yeah. there's, there's no room for that in a galaxy far, far away. Nobody no. sweats in any of the films point to one moment when someone's sweating. Even when Lando was hanging on for dear life, a little higher, just a little higher. <laughs> he was not sweating. Never saw him sweat. But that's Billy D, of course. Right, you know, Billy right. D just, he does not. Uh, you know, one time I was with Billy D in Chicago. It, God, this is years and years ago. And it was very warm in October. It was a very warm October afternoon. And we walked outside of the air conditioned building we were in, the, the high rise downtown. And he looked at me and he said, it's mighty warm out here. I hope I don't perspire. And I said, <laughs> I, I looked at him. I said, can you even do that? <laughs> I hope I don't perspire. I hope I don't perspire. There's just certain things in life that people say to you, you never forget. Right. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Smuggler's Gambit, a new Star Wars audio adventure, written and directed by Kyle Newman, co-written by F.J. DeSanto, and produced by Rebel Force Radio's Jimmy Mack. Recorded live at Star Wars Celebration 6 in Orlando. Put the joint! Smuggler's Gambit stars David Collins as Han Solo and features the talented cast of The Clone Wars, including Ashley Eckstein, Sam Witwer, Dee Bradley Baker, Tom Kane, Matthew Wood, Matt Lanter, Claire Grant, and Daniel Logan as Boba Fett. Hey, who's shooting at us? Leaving so soon, Solo? Shields, Joey! I said shields, Joey! Hear Smuggler's Gambit, a Han Solo adventure for free. And watch the behind-the-scenes video at StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. We should have left after the Death Star, huh, Furface? That's StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. Before we go any further, I do want to take a moment and uh, thank our first sponsor for this week, Little Debbie Snack Cakes. And, uh, Kyle, you're here for the... The big giveaway. We've got, uh, you know, we like to give away pastry here on the program. Uh, all I got to say about Little Debbie is delicious. <laughs> well, That's... it is. Uh, when have they you had me, some of these uh, yet? Have we, has, Little Debbie's? Has it come your way yet, the Little Debbie Cosmic I, Cupcakes? Yeah, a while ago I got um, 
a tremendous assortment of cosmic cupcakes and nutty bars. First, it was cosmic cupcakes, and they even sent me a Little Debbie vintage card. Vintage carded Little Debbie. <laughs> what? A vintage carded yes, Little you know, Debbie? Yeah, they put Little Debbie on a vintage card, and I got <laughs> the only one. And I told Sansweet, you ain't getting it. <laughs> So you have this. Can you take a photo of it and send it to us so we can put it on Facebook? Yes, I have to pull it out of my uh, collection and snap it. Little Debbie Vintage. That's no, it, it was so cool. It was like a vintage-style card. It was like the card back, you know? That's amazing. So they have Little Debbie action figures? I didn't get a Little Debbie action figure. It was the card, you know, it was themed. Oh, Little I Debbie. see. Okay, that's that right. is too uh, cool. Those cosmic cupcakes are, I guess you only know, describe them as inhalable. They just put them near your mouth and they just go, <laughs> they just they just disappear right into your mouth, and you don't even know what happened. It's like this magnetic reaction; they just get sucked in like a vacuum. They are fantastic. That is why they are the official cupcake of the galaxy. And uh, who are we going to give away some Little Debbies to tonight? Well, you know what, Jason? Each and every week we look out on the social media. We look at Facebook. We look at Twitter. And we look for people spreading the good word of Little Debbie snack cakes, cosmic cupcakes, and, of course, Rebel Force Radio. A great place to do that, by the way, is Little Debbie's official Facebook page. But this week we're looking at Twitter. And we're looking at Jeff Long 24 who posts... I'm going to eat like 100 Little Debbie Cosmic Cupcakes this weekend because deliciousness. I love the way he puts that. Because deliciousness. Because (laughs) deliciousness. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to eat like 100 of them. So that's a cool thing. I don't know if Jeff sounds like that, but I will be providing. Try to to diagram that sentence. I dare you. (laughs) See if you can. All right. I am as the subject. Eat. All right. Forget it. Um, But uh, Jeff Long, you have a Little Debbie Galactic snack pack heading in your direction, which is filled with all kind of great Little Debbie snacks, including those amazing cosmic cupcakes. I can't promise you they're going to send like a hundred, but. There's going to be plenty for you to eat this weekend or an upcoming weekend. So uh, enjoy the deliciousness of Little Debbie, Jeff Long, and all Rebel Force Radio listeners. You can find Little Debbie on store shelves everywhere. Go to LittleDebbie.com if you are looking for a particular location uh, near you to find Little Debbie snacks. Little Debbie, as Jason said, is the official snack cake of Rebel Force Radio. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. While the photo scene around the world continues to have repercussions, particularly here in Star Wars fandom, it's been fun to watch the mainstream media cover this. Uh, but um, Because you, you still get that sense, like, there are still people waking up to the fact that, hey, did you hear there's a new Star Wars movie coming out? They're going to make a new Star Wars um, so it's just sort of amusing to watch the way they break this down. But, yes, more photos from the Greenham Commons uh, shooting location for Episode 7 have surfaced, including Latino Review. They've got some coverage, so they've obviously got some drones in the air. And, uh, Kyle, you've seen these photos, obviously. Um, the photos that were unveiled last week, uh, Matthew Myatt, the, uh, the first... Uh, pilot who was up in the air and actually caught these photos. Now we're seeing some additional things, and we're seeing some some new colored X wings. What do you what do you make of what you're seeing, and how does it uh, 
How does it make you more anxious for the for the new movie? Does it make you concerned? Are you happy with what you're seeing? Well, I was disturbed. Those are very um, illegal and illicit photos that should not have been taken. And I don't believe that at all. No. I was going to say, as a filmmaker, does this offend you? No. If I had drones flying around the set of Barely Lethal, would you be pissed? He he should be flattered that people are paying attention this much to his uh, to his Star Wars film. I think it's I think it's cool. I mean, obviously they're not telling us anything. What do we? Oh, oh you mean the Millennium Falcon is back? Well, Shocker! That's true. That's you know that yeah. we know there's X wings. We know there was the TMZ photos that came out early on, and I mean, obviously the the Chrome X wing is a new um, is a new. Uh, Hasbro contender for toy of the year. I think um, that and Hog Squaddle are like the two most wanted things right now. Chrome X-Wing and Hog Squaddle. I like I want, Chrome, I want Chrome Hog Squaddle. <laughs> or, or how about an wonder, X-Wing that Hog Squaddle can actually fly? That would be- well, isn't there? Yeah, it's like Piggy. They need to have um, a Hog Squaddle X-Wing pilot. And they added more females to the cast. They need more Hog Squaddles as well. Um, a Hog Squaddle pilot, maybe a Hog Squaddle Jedi. <laughs> I could I could see him knocking around the Jedi Temple, couldn't you? Yeah, he'd fit I mean, right there in there the council. Yeah, I was going to say there are stranger things on that council than the, than yeah, the Hog Man. But uh, at any rate, so I, but you know, I Kyle, this is something I've been wanting to ask you: is do you think it's a mistake um, to be? Because you mentioned you're like, well, of course the Millennium Falcon's going to be in this, and of course we're going to have X wings. Do you think it's a mistake to be so, so super secretive that, you know, you don't even let some of the obvious things kind of filter out to create some fan buzz and excitement? Like, I, I don't know if they're being consciously secret. I think they are letting out some of the obvious things. And I think, look, the movie never has to fight against lack of awareness. I mean, it's that they have that in spades. Um what they do have to do is, you know, it's a mitigation of expectations is probably something they learned from from uh, the prequels. And um, I would say most of the jaded people already have their expectations um, lowered. And I also think that um, it's okay to get things like this, let them out. Look, this is returning. The Falcon's just as important of a character in some ways as, you know, the droids. It's like it's iconic. You know, you want those iconic images there. Those are the things that resonate with people. Like seeing the Falcon elicits an emotional reaction. Seeing R2D2 elicits that reaction. And um it's okay to anchor it with that and saying, look, you're coming back to home. You're coming back to something familiar. Come back to the Star Wars universe. These are the linchpins, um, the foundations of the Star Wars universe. And there's going to be a whole bunch of new surprises on top of that. And I think at this stage in how they're letting information slip out and how they're choosing their limited promotion, um, how they shape it, it's, it is obviously built in the backs of the, the classic, the familiar Mm-hmm. And gradually we're going to see, I think, you know, building up to the release. Those last six months are going to be about getting to know John Boyega and Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver, you know, exposing them to a wider uh, platform of people. You know, that you're going to see them starting to dominate the trailer, especially the main trailer, not the teaser trailer. I think it's going to be showcasing some of the new. 
Yeah, and I, and I think photos like this slipping out doesn't do them any disservice. It's not like anyone's going to say, oh, the movie looks bad, you know? Yeah. All it did was create, you know, a weak supply of, you know, internet viral buzz. Jim, I, you know, we've, we've heard from Dave Filoni before. He talks about how he's reluctant sometimes to mention a character that, that may appear in an upcoming episode of, you know, in, in the... In the before time, it was the Clone Wars. Now we're talking about Rebels because of what, what Kyle mentioned is that one of the reasons why they tend to be secretive is because if you see something like, oh, wow, the Millennium Falcon is going to be in this, and then if it's only in it for five minutes and it gets blown up, then you're going to be crazy disappointed. So they'd rather just not show it to you. And, and Dave Filoni has said that uh, before in the case of certain characters that have appeared in the past in the Clone Wars or could appear in an episode of Rebels. I'd rather not say because if it doesn't, you know, if you, if you spend months thinking about what it's going to be like when Quinlan Voss finally shows up on the Clone Wars and it's not what you thought, you're going to be disappointed. So we'd rather you be surprised. Just, I'm not. I'm not that type of fan. I would. I, I think it's fun to know and then speculate and then see what happens. I. I don't need to be completely in the dark to enjoy something. I guess is what I'm saying. No, I think I hear exactly what you're saying, and I hear what Kyle's saying too. Because that could be a level of disappointment there when you think you're going to be getting something from the movie that you don't really get. If the Falcon is only in Episode Seven as the example that you stated, if, if it's only an episode seven for five minutes, I think we're all going to be disappointed because we've heard so much about the Falcon at this point. There were, you know, obvious photos that were leaked uh, while the set was under construction. Then of course, uh, Harrison Ford had that accident on the set that people are saying was a door on the millennium Falcon. JJ Abrams took the picture of that note on the hollow chest table and now we're seeing these photos. I just can't tell no, you. Hey, by the way, did you see the latest JJ photo? The latest JJ you know, photo JJ's has got those note cards. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how he he communicates now. Is is you know he's taken social media one step further, where he actually you know still gets the joy of writing something down with his own penmanship, and then he has an assistant take the picture of what he wrote and post it. So that's how J.J. Abrams posts things. Right. He's got his own uh, own uh, index cards. Yeah, he, Actually, he has a young woman. Personalized. He has a young woman what? who he just calls Twitter. And he calls, he just yells. <laughs> it's, 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 it's uncomfortable. If you're not familiar with his methods, it's really uncomfortable because he'll just open up the doorway and yell, Twitter! And so, so she comes running down the hallway and goes in his office and they close the door. It's, it's uncomfortable if you don't understand jj's approach with social media but so guy is so cool he's made social media retro yeah just like he's trying to do with the star wars films he's he's trying to (laughs) he's trying to take it all back i mean everything he's like he's like if this is how this is how twitter would have been in 77 he's just going to totally live as though it's 1977 right that's his whole life now (laughs) yeah but i just don't want this movie to be you can take it all back, but I know I've said this before. I don't want this movie to be an apology for stuff that I like. So let's not take it so far back where you're trying to like apologize to fans because you didn't like what the creator did. Mm. You know, I'm okay with a little bit of it. It's looking cool. I don't see a lot of blue screens here. You're never going to see a lot of blue screens for publicity. They're never going to show you blue screens. 
I don't know if I've said this before to you guys, but this is what I believe. I think, you know, the prequels were always marketed as CGI film. You must see because that's what was that's what was at the forefront back then, even though it had more models than any movie ever made and will ever have in it. And this new movie is going to be marketed as the throwback movie with all these real props and puppets, yet it's going to have more CG than any movie ever made in history. Well, that, and that's, that's just reality. Yeah, that's, Every, each genera- each year of movies has more CG in it. It's just because it's just the cleanup work. It's not even the stuff you think. You know, it's there is just this amount of digital manipulation that goes into these things later on, and it's not down to it, a lot of it. Just comes down purely to budget. You know, you see right here that in these pictures, there's cardboard or wooden painted um, X wings and. That's fine. I mean, that's all about perspective. If the camera is there, it looks like the way they built those and the way this is positioned. The camera is on that, you know, northwest area. That's their main perspective because we're seeing the back of a lot of these from up here. And they're going to – it's all about what you need the eye to see. Like, look, the Falcon, they only built, you know, probably less than half of it, you know, just less than half because you're not going to need to see it all. So – it's always in a question of economy and then where you put your resources. And sometimes the easiest thing to do is to paint something out later or paint something in later. And it's just the, it's just the modern tool. And I don't think as much as the philosophy may be to go lo-fi and go old school, um, there's certain things that are just – it's just unfeasible to do everything that way. And the, you wouldn't be able to pull off the scope and scale of the movie that they want to without using that and not in a bad way. Um, but I don't want this movie an apology. Well, I want to go back to, the, no to that because, because explain to me what you what that would look like if if your if your biggest fears were confirmed. What would that look like on screen in terms of? I'll tell you the one. My biggest fear is that there's like there is pre special edition size snoodle type lips and someone dancing, and it just looks like there's a guy under there. And I see a string attached to the lips. Just cause. People want that. There's crazy people that want that version back out in theaters. There's there's people that want that. They want to see the string and they want to see the lips moving in a very unbelievable way. And they desire this. And I okay. and I and I, I, I'm I'm at a loss. I mean, as a as a piece of history, maybe as a bonus feature, cool, but. Um, I know there's a better version, so I, I prefer to see that one. You know, Kyle, trying not to be pessimistic, I just want to say that George Lucas always looked at the original trilogy is not quite what he wanted. And he always wanted to one-up himself with each film that he produced for the saga. So by the time you got to the prequels, he had been developing all of this new special effects technology to make it possible to do whatever he wanted to do. He wasn't withheld by all the restraints of technology or physical restraints of, you know, only being able to do what you can do because of money or lack of technology. Like it was in the original trilogy. George looked at those films as always something that was incomplete as something that was not quite what he wanted. However, we all looked at those films as masterpieces and something that needs to be celebrated. So I think the, the, the vibe that, that JJ and the crew are trying to push forward in this production of episode seven is more to celebrate 
what makes the original trilogy the masterpiece that it is instead of trying to fix perceived mistakes or trying to one-up yourself on a technological scale. So I don't, I'm trying not to look at it as an apology for the prequels as much as I'm looking at it as a celebration of the OT. Which I love. And I, I think that's the best, and that's a healthy philosophy. Can I, you know, I just, just, I, let just, me just say real quick what, what my biggest concern is. And it's that, and, and you know, I think when the prequels were, were coming out, uh, it, was, it, was, it was at a time, I think, when we all believed that we were going to see perhaps a grittier, more adult grown-up Star Wars story, darker, because we, as a generation of kids who grew up with these original films, grew up. And so we thought that that's the direction that George was going to go. We were starting to see uh, Lord of the Rings come together around that time also, and it was very dark and, and uh, very adult, um, and, and, but it didn't. George stayed true to what he has always known, as the audience for his stories in the galaxy far, far away. My fear, and, I, and I, don't, I don't have a lot here, but my biggest fear is that it's going to be an answer to those critics who wanted that darker universe, um, that, that wanted it to be very grown up and gritty and all of that, and then it would miss this generation. I mean, Kyle, you've got a young son. Jimmy, your kids are young. I've got young kids. And I'm, I'm so stoked at being able to expose them to these films as they're coming out. And I just hope that it's not hijacked, like Kyle says, by this very vocal, uh, I think, minority of, of fans that have just not, you know, yeah. have never gotten over what they didn't see in 1999. Well, you know what? And, and this is... I, I do think Episode 7 and beyond, they're going to be technically proficient movies. They're going to be beautiful, and they're going to probably be better made movies than the prequels. The prequels, I look at them as very bold experiments, but uh, it's all about the mythic structure. And are we getting – are we going back to myth, to a deeper, soulful, spiritual thing in these archetypal characters? And that's the challenge. It's, it's the story. And it's the myth. I know that we're going to get incredibly well-made films. It's not a question. The quality is going to be at, at the, the pinnacle of stuff you've ever seen on screen. It's going to be gorgeous. It's not even a question. Um, uh, people didn't like all the stuff George was trying to do in those movies. And you know these are going to be more refined. But it's the myth. And I just hope that the people you know, have, have, the, have that down. And on lockdown, and and they know it inside and out, and that's what they are constantly going back to. Um, uh, so it's not like a uh, a you know a recreate a fan recreation in yes, a way, yes, you know. Yes, a, a, and a, I don't right, need that. Right. I, don't I don't need, need that. that. I want I, right. myth to explode in new directions. Right. If you're not doing that, then I'm, that's what will disappoint me. I'm not looking at a movie based on how well. Um, and I, you, you know, and I don't need practical effect versus digital right. effect. I don't want to have to sit there and judge it. I want to go in there as a spectator and say that was a 
goddamn great mythic story and it was fun and it had humor and it had levity and it wasn't afraid to be corny and it has to do all that and that is star wars and can't be too cool for school and you know what i empathize with george you know i finished my third movie now and i will say every time you're done every time i watch a movie i cringe at my own there's things you're just like i wish i did that better and i didn't have the time to do this and like a thousand dollars more i could have fixed this and i couldn't do this and there's, it, it's a constant you, – you basically lose battles every day for a year and then you try and make the best version of all these obstacles that are thrown in your way and yeah, all these flat tires and all these explosions and all these cancellations and all these limitations. And I can only imagine that on a, on a, on a grand scale what he had to endure trying to make that movie in a studio system back when he did. Nobody had any context for what he was trying to do. Now everybody can has so many points of reference. And I can only empathize with him. And I don't know if people ever empathize until you've made a movie and you've suffered through the process. But for him to get the opportunity to be in a place where he had a career – uh, where he was at a, a unique place that very few people are afforded, where he could go back with his own money and do the things he wanted to do. And those are the things he, George Lucas, wanted to do to his, George Lucas's movie. He owned them. Right. He paid for them. This is what he wanted to do as the artist. And it's not up to me or you to say, I, I, I want the other version, or I don't want that back, or I don't like this. You can say that. But you don't own it. Yeah. Yeah. That guy owns it. Yeah. And I, that's coming out of his head and his consciousness and his heart and his pocket. And he can go do what he wants. And I am always behind what he wants to do to his movies because I understand what he, he probably went through. Well, I've often thought that the people that are chasing that uh, that original cut, and and I'll be honest with you, I mean, there have been which times... original cut, Jason? I mean, I, I put this well, post on Facebook, and I've never got such a crazy negative response. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just the general question. There's so many versions that while I was in theaters, they were changing versions. There's versions based on which format of projection it was, print it was. There's versions based on just audio mixes. There's 17 different audio mix versions. So you want this version without the map? box on Hoth, but you do want the updated sound version, and you want this in 5.1, but you want this and this, and like I want this in the new Atmos mix, but I also don't want this size noodles here. It's like, shut up. Yeah. You know, people are like trying to, no, then they're telling me all their versions of what kind of movie they want. It's like, okay, the version you're going to get is the version that George approves, and that's what we should be content with. You don't go customize, I want the sound, but not the picture here, and uh, come on. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I I, I agree. What the the point I I, I was trying to make, uh, I wasn't in. I wasn't defending this. What I was saying is, I think. No, I know. I'm not saying as an attack to you. I'm just saying in general. I just think it's it's fascinating that people feel an ownership of something they have nothing on. Well, know? I think what they're doing is they're chasing that original feeling that they had when they were eight years old, but they're never going to get that. And that's okay. You know what? If I, if I wanted to throw down and say, I want the original Star Wars for my childhood, it would have to be which the, one? it would have to be the version of the film that I saw the most, which leads us to VHS. the pre THX CBS Fox home video release pan and scan, baby. <laughs> See what I'm saying? There's so Let's many have versions. that release to the theater. It's okay to have your nostalgia for these specific versions. And, and I don't think people have, Look, they're so far removed from this immediate place in, in our – right in front of us. It's not tangible to any of us. 
We don't remember. We remember the idea of it. We remember an experience. There is no you're, – you're talking about that version. Someone else, when they say, "My, I, I want it, someone did see it in one of those original screens, those 32 original theaters. And someone else saw it four weeks later and there was a slightly different thing. And someone else saw it after that and then they put a new hope and, and a different crawl. And someone else saw it you know, with a – with a different Obi-Wan line subbed in. And someone else saw a 16mm version, which had a different take of this. And we right, remember right. the Guys, idea let of let something. Me, let, me, let me ask you. I want to, I want to back up. This is, this is fascinating conversation. We never really get the... It's kind of a slow news week, so we'll, we, we, can, we can take some time here. Um, but I, I'm Slow news week. Some guy from Heroes said he's in episode seven. Oh, that's true. Our, it's, it's never a slow news week. But our, Who's childhood friends with JJ? That's a huge story. All right, we'll get to it. But I want to. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to talk. This is because we we don't. Again, we don't have Kyle on all the time, and we don't get this opportunity just for the three of us to sit and chat. But what is it? Why is the experience of having seen Star Wars or a Star Wars movie in the theater? Why is it so damn personal? Why is there this sense of ownership? What is it about these movies that makes people feel that? It's a part of them. It's a part of their identity where they, 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 they damn near claim ownership in a way. Well, if you're addressing like an original trilogy generation fan like myself, I would say that primarily the reason that Star Wars is on such a pedestal is you never had the – return viewings of any sort of movie like you did with star Wars. People would go see it over and over and over again. And you got to really know it. And then you never really had the great marketing and licensing that you had with star Wars and prior films. You know, there were attempts here and there along the way, but um, you know, star Trek, there was some merchandise for that and superheroes and six million dollar man things like that but i mean star wars you could really take the movie home with you it really felt like you could and i think that is is something that really solidified fans from the 70s as far as their sense of ownership of the film is because it was then that the huge reputation was formed around the film and when it became bigger than life and that's the thing about Star Wars. It is. It's bigger than life. And now if you want to move forward and talk about newer fans, later generations of Star Wars fans, now the machine is already in motion and things are locked and people just slide right into the whole Star Wars, you know, for lack of a better term, lifestyle. And that's what makes it very personal. And that's why people claim ownership of it is because it's more than just a film. And that's something I think George Lucas had a lot of trouble dealing with. Kyle, do you think that George decided to permanently step away from filmmaking, at least from Lucasfilm and Star Wars, is because of fan backlash? Um, 100%. I think people or there's so many people who... I think claim to be fans and I don't mind saying this. People always say you can't say stuff like this while I'm saying it. You claim to be a fan yet you go and you talk trash about the guy who created it. You claim to be a fan and then you go and you wish him dead. You wish he has AIDS. You patent Oswald it up and you talk so much crap that it's unfathomable that you can call yourself a fan. How could you even be so cruel to the person that birthed this thing that you love? It's, 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 it's maddening. And, and, and I think you, 
people need to be introspective and look at themselves and say, am I one of those people that drove the creator of Star Wars away from his own material? And if you are, I mean, think about it. I mean, in the future, think about the way you conduct. It's like people say, you know, it's, you know, there's bullying and, and all that stuff. But I think it's okay. The way the stuff that people say about George Lucas online or in articles, it's, it's, it, frankly, it's disgusting and it's shocking. And people think they can get away with it just because he's successful and he has money. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's appalling. And you don't hear anybody really saying, well, it's not right to say that because they're like, oh, well, he's got a billion, trillion dollars and he made $4 billion, so screw him. He sucks. And people think it's okay, but it's cruel. And look what it did. It took a guy who created something, who gifted the world something that we all love and – People being selfish and negative drove him away from it. And I firmly believe that it is the quote quotes on them fans that did this. Yeah, I, we, we, we did sort of let, I think we, as a lot of uh, Star Wars fans, kind of uh, let the that dissatisfied minority. And I always say that they're a minority because I, I just don't, I don't run into them very often. I, I run into people who you know, consider themselves Star Wars fans and, you know, the prequels may not be their favorite films, but they don't go out of their way. Like, like some of these people with the video, I think it was a perfect storm. I think it was, it was the films coming out at a time when the internet was really, really becoming prominent in our lives. And there's a certain, you know, we, we see it here on the, just doing this show. I mean, we're, we're really fortunate in that most of the, the feedback that we get from, from listeners is – it's not always positive, but it's generally respectful and – Respectful uh, is all right. you should ask for. It's right. respectful for a person that gave the world something so great. It's respectful. And just because he's successful and had you know, a profound success with it doesn't mean that you can be cruel to that person. And people were very cruel to him, and I, and I just think that's – Extremely unfortunate. Well, and they were I and they were cruel that, to his daughter on online on Twitter. And people, she, she, it's just it's cruel across yeah, the board. Yeah, I mean, was, I, they, you re- can be, you, but it's it's a it's really it's a microcosm of just what people think they can do in general, just with an online format, and everyone thinks they are the ultimate authority and they own it and they it's theirs. And guess what? It's not. This is a person who spent his life and his energy and made many sacrifices to make this. And I don't, you know, if you read something like The Making of Return of the Jedi, you realize what he had to endure just to bring Return of the Jedi to the screen. Personal hardships, had to just suffer through it, losing himself in the process, and gave everything. And then to hear, like, people that just, you know, call themselves, like, a diehard fan and then just disrespect him. Like, it's kind of, it's just gross. It is weird, and I, and I don't see it happening, and we, we've mentioned it before here on the program, that you just don't hear or see people talking about other, you know, noted filmmakers, direct, you know, and artists in the same way that people feel that they can talk about George. I don't know what it is. I, it could be just his, he, he stands apart as, you know, perhaps one of the most, from a financial perspective, um, uh, incredible success stories, one of the most um, successful filmmakers of all time. So does that in some ways make people feel entitled to be able to take cheap shots. And, you know, we're, we're not Criticism saying as by the way. Yeah. I was going to say Criticism across the board. You're sitting on the, if you're sitting on the keyboard, ready to send us an email saying that, you know, how dare you say that we can't criticize George Lucas. You, we're not talking about you. 
if you you're the guy, that, if you're the guy that says you want to like, go back in time and like, hit George with a shovel and kill him so he doesn't make the prequels, we're talking about talking. you. That's who we're talking about. Um, so. You said I don't like what he did with the third act of Revenge of the Sith, and I would have preferred this. And you're talking about constructive analysis. That's one thing. If you're wishing someone dead, that's another thing, and you got to go check your head. Yeah, we'll it's see wrong. what happens. We'll see what happens with JJ. By the way, speaking of JJ. Uh, Kyle, you mentioned it. We've got the story here that uh, Greg Grunberg, who was uh, in the TV series Heroes, uh, just tweeted that he, he says, yes, it is safe to assume I have a role in Star Wars Episode 7. If I say more than that, J.J. will have me killed. Uh, Greg Grunberg, um, you say he's a childhood friend of J.J. Abrams? I thought they've been friends for a long time. No, I, I don't know. I'm not I, I'm not sure. I think there's but, a connection there. OK, I think that's how we also got in on the um the other a couple other projects with him. Okay. No, let me look it up here while we we chat. Um, but I feel like there is a connection. He seems to be a pretty likable guy, decent actor. Hey, before we get too yeah. far ahead, though, I mean, do you guys think that black X wing is uh, cool or what? The black and orange X wing. Yeah, I dig it. I I like to think that um, that these are, in my mind, the story that I've created is that. I just have this feeling that it's so it's 30 years after the fall of the empire. I think a lot of these rebel pilots that gained fame and notoriety for bringing down the the second death star uh, have kind of, uh, I I feel like they've kept their, their X wings uh, that they, and they've all been kind of hot rotted or custom customed out. And now there's a new threat. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not privy to the inf- to, to what the storyline is. There's a new threat, and it's like they're bringing the band back together, and all these um, all these X-wings and their you know configurations. I mean, it could be some of these guys. Their kids are now flying these things, and now they're all coming back together to to maybe take care of this threat. It does not look to me like an organized fleet by any chance. No. <laughs> well, is this Yavin or Yavin or as I like to call it, Yavin? Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. Hey, if it, if, it, if it can be Tantivy, then we can Tantivy. I refuse. By the way, I refuse. I don't care if the I don't care if George himself I say George respectfully, my friend. I will not say Tantivy for it will always be Tantive for. I can't, I can't say Tantivy. Jason, Jason, Jason. it's Tan- always the sundered heart. Be still, my sundered heart. Yes. The Tant- sundered heart. One of the worst ideas ever. Um, yeah, if you don't know what that is, Google it and then cry. Um, so, yeah, here. Here's some facts about uh, Greg Gumberg. Has known J.J. Abrams since they were in kindergarten. Greg has gotten parts in almost every project J.J. has ever worked on. Oh, there you go. Wow, that, that's there it. There you go. Childhood See, friends I, and bringing them in. They probably played Star Wars together on the playground. He's like, yo, come play Star Wars. Let's wow. go. Let's go. But how could you blame the guy? You know what? I mean, I think about when I was on the playground in elementary school and we were playing Star Wars. If I got that posh gig, I might call some of my old friends and say, hey, I got a playground. Come and see this. Uh, so, you know, you know, I guess what? I can't really resist, That's especially cool. as, as long as he's a, a talented guy. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to tell my daughter who just started kindergarten this year, be nice to everybody. Cause you <laughs> never know. What would you do if the black X-wing? It turned out that that was just like a just a, a supply ship. They just or they they ran extra batteries to the other X-wings. You'd be like, oh. <laughs> well, uh-huh. yeah, it is gonna it's gonna be the Rick Ole, uh, you know, uh, yeah, syndrome. It I always be. call it. It might be the lamest ship. It might just be like 
Hey, medic, you need anything? Right. Hey, I'm part of the calf delivery. Anybody, anybody <laughs> thirsty? Calf, the calf truck. I don't think so. That thing's too cool looking. It's uh, I don't definitely. know. Rick Oli was pretty cool. Be- <laughs> I mean, he was so cool. Rick Oli never looks cool. He is going to be the goggles. best, man. He, is he never looks best. cool. He's got a long, it's like World War II flight jacket. World War I. Oh, man, he's so cool. Dressed in an orange trench coat. No, thank you. What if you saw that guy walking down the street? You turn the other direction really fast. Yeah, but the guy walking down the street's not on a Star Wars Episode One trading card, man. Yeah. But, you know, you're, Kyle's right, though. I mean, you know, we you do have, don't to, know. You have no idea. Like I said, the Millennium Falcon could blow up in the first five minutes of the movie. I mean, if the Millennium Falcon blows up, that's huge because that's a character. That's something that's been there. It's, it's, it's basically like a home. You know, it's the mobile home. <laughs> it's the RV of. Uh... <laughs> no, you're right. I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, you know, you you never know. Uh, I suppose, yeah, it, but it, but it consider could. the significance of the appearance of these two ships. This is the first time we're seeing X-wing fighters with different customized color schemes. They all were basically standardized in the original trilogy. So here is the first time we're seeing them in different colors. You know, the one is black, orange, and chrome, and the other is looks like a turquoise and white. Um, definitely, they, they have that longer nose that we noted last week when they were still wrapped up in tarp. Um, I like that. I like the individualized look. I wonder how the black one is going to look in space, though. I hope it doesn't get too washed out. I'm sure they have that figured out. Maybe it's got some pimp neon, you know, uh, roping or something or lighting. Maybe it's it. just a food truck. Maybe it's like the X-Wing of food trucks. <laughs> the back the guys, the they're just truck. making short rib tacos. Yeah, he's got empanadas, churros. He pops it open. He cooks it on the grill. You don't know. We just don't know. You don't, you don't know, but I mean, one thing we're not seeing is a unified fighting force here. We're seeing, uh, we're seeing a lot of. But this, Jason, this is going to be augmented with additional <laughs> CG. That's what we're we're only looking at a section of this. I, I don't believe that they only have eight bunkers with eight ships. Well, Jason's saying it's ragtag. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going with. That's what I'm going with. But obviously, though, okay, okay, all right, all right. Okay. Maybe those. Maybe that you come all right, in. Kyle, as, all right, Kyle. Down, let me, let me say this. Eights. Okay, so all right. Let's say that this is this is supplemented by by digital ships that we're going to see. They wouldn't go to the trouble of making the practical versions if they didn't have some sort of significant uh, role to play in the film, right? They're, I mean, they're going to have to be used <laughs> for. I would imagine close-ups and shots where the characters, you know, the physical people are interacting with the physical ships, right? Well, they might have only built three, and then they maybe they repaint them. I'm sure one or two of these is a hero ship, you know, that someone yeah. is going to fly, and it becomes that's like a good one point. Of the yeah, that's a good point. They could be repainted and you know repositioned, and yeah, yeah, you're going to need them for multiple things. And and if this ship, obviously, it's featured. It sounds like an X-wing is heavily featured, and I'm sure if they needed another one, they wouldn't go build another one just to repaint it. They'd shoot it out and repaint it, or they decal it, or there's a million ways to do it. Maybe, Obviously, maybe it's the like black the, one looks like it's its own thing. Um, I'm thinking it's like, like the the, uh, the getaway car in Johnny Dangerously, where they keep ripping the contact paper off of it as they're driving along. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it. They just they just rip off the paper, and there's a whole new uh, X-wing underneath. No, what's the deal with these? They do have R2s, correct? Uh, it, does 
different wings. If you look at the blue one, the one with the blue accents, yeah, it looks, the like someone, unit. Yep. looks like someone left their pod racer there. It looks like Gasgano is building his pod next to it. <laughs> yeah, actually, it, it does. does. It right. does. Look like, looks it like does. Pod engine, yeah. Yeah, would not be Dud, surprised. Dud Bolt joined the rebellion. <laughs> Dud Bolt, finally, <laughs> get this day in the sun. Ben Quadaneros could I, be I, there. I see a couple of pod racers here. Maybe they all land and then and then pod race. This this pastel one. This is definitely a chick ship. This one with the with the light blue and the white. I'm going to just say no dudes driving that. I'm just, Are you yeah, sure? Yeah, no dudes driving that. Um, definitely a dude in the black and orange. I think it's what uh, what's the, his name. I think it's uh, we'll get it to in our spoiler section. But I think that it's uh, Driver. I think that's Adam Driver's uh, X-wing. His character. What about the um, lack of B-Wings here? I mean, this is disturbing. They're hard to park. <laughs> yeah, someone forgot to design landing gear when they designed that show. <laughs> They're like, no, it lands precariously and it just stands up like an ice cream cone. <laughs> and then to get out, you just jump. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're not seeing much of that. You're, you, I, now that you mention it, now Kyle's got me thinking this is awfully sparse looking. Um, awfully sparse? There's two ships, eight <laughs> pod racers. There's three. There's three Falcon. ships. Come on. There's three ships, including the Falcon. That's half a Falcon. <laughs> there was a loading. There was a, a, a shot on one site. Um, it looked like a troop transport. Black, maybe some yellow trim, some type of a... Um, you know, mechanic vehicle. It looks like it could facilitate these ships or or shift some people around. Uh, and they do have looks. There's these cutouts of more ships. So obviously they're they're going for that. Um, mm-hmm. There's only six bunkers here. I mean, I, I think that this – obviously they're trying to – they have an underground base. Um, looks like they're protected from Thai bombers. Um, maybe this is an outpost. It feels like this is um, somewhere they've been a while. It doesn't feel like this is a makeshift base, you know, or just like a pop-up. Yeah, yeah. I, like I, temporary right. point. This feels like this is a... Well, maybe some this point. is where Han and Chewie are just sort of stationed now. They're bored out of their minds. On the Super Star Destroyer? Yeah, well, that was, that was the rumor. It really uh, feels uh, more like Yavin than any anywhere yeah, it else. Does. It does. Mostly like Yavin base. I don't know but if it those, would that be. Was mas- those were like Masasi temples. and uh, are those Are we even allowed to use that word anymore since it's been No, I think that goes back. Banished. I think that's Was that in the novelization, Masasi? Well, that's, that's legends now. No, wait a minute. That, are the, oh, the novelizations are legends, aren't they? No, novelizations are not legends. Really? I asked them this online, I believe. Yeah, but wasn't novelizations that- are not legends, but radio dramas are legends. Radio dramas are legends. Okay, I think so. But the um, mainly just because of the volume of new material that was in the A New Hope, um, which didn't really come from George. But I think uh, the novelizations are, although there are those discrepancies. Obviously, you know Owen and. Ben, they mentioned them being siblings, and Obi Wan talking about ducks and Han. And how would all that you guys? Stuff. How would you guys feel about brand new novelizations? Bring it on! Yeah, why not? I've wondered that. I've I've actually thought that that might be a 
a good idea. And I'm not talking about rewriting anything. I'm just talking about if you could get a really um, – Well, a people real- want Monkey Emperor back as official canon, so <laughs> what? Yeah, that's one that does just re- – I. that's one I just can't figure out. Like can we just get rid of you know the amazing Ian McDiarmid? <laughs> no, bring back Monkey Emperor. Back, I yeah. want him back. I want, I need I want the Emperor. chick with the monkey eyes and the voice of Clive Revel. Can we have yes. that, please? Please. Um, all right. So uh, Greg Gun- uh, Grunberg in episode seven. We have no idea what role he's going to play, but he has confirmed on Twitter that uh, he's indeed the latest to join the cast. We also have uh, – but this is uh, – I don't know how much I buy this, but – Rumors are, according to uh, MTV, uh, which is reporting from the UK's Sun newspaper. Wait a minute. Hold on. UK Sun newspaper reporting via MTV. I love this, like the telephone game. So the MTV in the UK is reporting this story, and UK newspaper is reporting MTV's reporting of this. Well, here's the thing. I have to do it this way because there's a paywall at the Sun newspaper website, and I don't want to have to pay for this, the original story, so I have to get it from somewhere else. All right, so oh, so you're saying the original source was the Sun, yes? Not MTV. Okay, so the original source of this story is the Sun in the UK, and they're saying that um, Hollywood hunk set for Star Wars cameos, Daniel Craig, Hugh Jackman. And Robert Downey Jr. could all feature in Episode 7. Apparently, they're, they're all lobbying for cameos. Uh, D- Daniel Craig, of course, well-known as James Bond, uh, has been, uh, is, is said to be in line for a cameo, but his face won't be on screen. Um, they're, they're joining Tom Cruise and Will Smith. What do you think, Cod? Do you think there's any... Do you think there is any truth to these vanity... Let's call them vanity cameos... Uh, maybe in the context of they just call they're like, look, I've always loved Star Wars. They know JJ. Let me be a stormtrooper. I don't think you're going to see Daniel Craig is like selling um, Japur snippets on the streets because <laughs> he wants a cameo. I don't think you're going to see you know him peddling fruit on desert. Are you plant. looking for something to remember her by? Buy my I don't think, snippets. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see Robert Downey Jr. as as just chiming in with Granny X-wing pilot. <laughs> is like, is he selling death sticks? I could see Robert as a death stick salesman. Maybe, <laughs> may, I would say maybe you're going to get one unexpected big name kind of cameo, but you're you not going to get Tom Cruise with the latest editions of Daniel Craig, Hugh Jackman, Robert Downey Jr., and Samuel Jackson playing a character in a thing he's already played a character in. There really Crazy. hasn't been, and and maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just maybe I've been out of it for a little while. But I, there really hasn't been, other than maybe Max von Sydow, that you know that big announcement of that kind of legacy actor like you had with a Liam Neeson and you had with a Christopher Lee and you had with an Alec Guinness and a and a Peter. Well, we Cushing. got three of them. You know, we got the classics back. Well, yeah, no, I, I no, I don't want to take anything away from them. I, a four, I, I, four, sorry, yeah, Tony Daniels. Yeah, and 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 Peter and uh, and, and Peter and Kenny. But you know, I mean, Peter's there, but I, I, you know, I don't think he's going to be doing all of the the physical stuff. And obviously, it's another voice, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's the faces, you know. It's really those classic three. The yeah, yeah, faces. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you, and and that's the point well taken. We don't need it. They are the gravitas for the film. I mean, having 
a Mark Hamill who is the the age that Alec Guinness was when you know he made the original Star Wars. I mean, that's th- that is. But I don't know. It just kind of struck me as we were talking about and Kyle. You said you know I, I expect to maybe hear about a uh, a major celeb you know popping in the film at some point we haven't really up to this point uh, again outside of the 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 trio maybe so maybe maybe not maybe we won't have that if there was one movie this was going to happen on it's this and let yeah. me tell you i bet jj's gotten 500 phone calls from the craziest people coming out of the woodwork asking to be in this film it, it's not a question of people asking him and i'm sure he's going to have to at a certain point just be like no, because I, I, I wouldn't put it past all these guys asking to be in it um, in some fun kind of, you know, footnote kind of way. Yeah. But I don't think you're going to be seeing them playing, you know, front and center characters. I think it may be, oh, yeah, I was a background Tuscan Raider, you know. These rumors are crazy. And the thing is, of course, Daniel Craig was seen at Pinewood Studios. The new Bond film is going to start shooting in just a few months. He might be there for wardrobe fittings. He might be there for publicity photos. There's a million reasons Daniel Craig could have been there and stumbled onto the Star Wars set. I mean, let's face it. It's, uh, you know, what next? Are we going to start saying Kevin Smith is going to have a cameo in the film just because he was there? I think it's, it's absurd. I think Kevin Smith would probably have. <laughs> I think Kevin Smith would probably say, "No, please don't put me in it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be on the set, but I don't want to actually be in Star Wars." I think he's he's enough of a fan that he would stop himself from that kind of self indulgence. What? I'm just uh, saying. Would, would you ever? No, you can't stop yourself from that type of self indulgence. If he was like, "Come on, be in the movie," you're not gonna be like, "No." Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think if I'm standing there on the set and I'm having this amazing moment and I'm getting, you know, treated behind the scenes and I'm watching them shoot footage oh, and they go, hey, do you want to be on it? I'll throw it. sync had were the pinnacle of self-restraint and they all said yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. They weren't they weren't into that. Actually, Kevin Smith was going to be in episode seven, but then they told him he was going to be flying the turquoise X-Wing and he passed. Yeah, and he's like... <laughs> Uh, on second thought, I don't know. Yeah, well, he he had that like, great story. We also story. have a really nice sage green one. <laughs> well, Would you like to do that? Kevin Smith had that great story at Celebration when he talked about how he can get into any Star Wars convention because there's always some kid that thinks he's Porkins. <laughs> <laughs> it comes up to him. He's all excited to meet Porkins. Uh, by the way, is the is did we lose the Porkins actor some years ago? William Hootkins, yes, yes. He, passed. Yeah, he passed away. Uh, before he made the circuit, or was he making the circuit? Oh, no, he uh, definitely was at Celebration 2 in Indianapolis. Does, does his uh, autograph adorn the uh, Star Wars room, Jimmy Mack? Um, you don't even remember. It's you don't a, even know. I, I don't, I don't. I know you uh, got that Uncle Owen uh, autograph. And yes, I, I had I had to buy that because I, I knew he wasn't going to be around much longer. Um, you know, I, I was I was at his table with a friend with a big mouth, and my friend literally said, "I'll buy you his autograph because this guy's not going to be around much longer." <laughs> I could have sworn you are an embarrassment. That is Uncle Owen. What I'd pull him aside and yell at him. I'd I'd kill you for Uncle Owen. I mean. <laughs> 
Jeez. You know, if Daniel Craig or Hugh Jackman though wanted to be in it, I'd be like, listen, you're you're in, but you have to go to celebration to promote. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? What if that was that should be JJ's bargaining chip? Anybody you should. Who gets Vic, the cameo, you gotta come to celebration in Anaheim. Absolutely. And be on Rebel Force Radio. And dress up like Kitster. <laughs> hey, how about that uh Rebels um promo that debuted online this week? Uh we've got an official date, Monday, October thirteenth, nine o'clock eastern time and uh so this is it's official it's disney xd there were there was talk that it was going to premiere on disney channel proper and then subsequently air as a series on uh on the disney xd Network. oh dude dude now. dude we got a thousand emails about that um, what it's definitely going to be on the disney channel well it's i don't that- but i'm not seeing anything about it being on disney channel hold on i'm gonna pull up the email because we got like a hundred emails about that. It's debuting on a different network than it's going to air still, correct? Well, that's what w- was was talked about. And then when the official press release came out about the premiere date. Do you know how uh, many people are going to – they're going to set their DVRs. They're going to think they're – Oh, it's the dumbest thing. It's, it, it makes the series, no sense. And then they're going to find out a week later when they pop in on a Tuesday. And they're like, wait, what? It didn't record? And it, wait, what? It's on a different – what? All right. Here it is. This is from Alicia. Alicia writes us. Hey, Jimmy Mack of Rebel Force Radio. I listened to your episode of Rebel Force Radio from August 29th, 2014, and I want to correct you on the whole debate on what channel the Star Wars Rebels premiere will be shown on. The press release on StarWars.com states that Star Wars Rebels Spark of Rebellion will premiere on Friday, October 3rd at 9 p.m. on Disney Channel not Disney XD. Then regular new episodes of Rebels will premiere on Disney XD on Mondays at 9 p.m. starting October 13th. So he is correcting us. Well, I think I read that press release. I read that press release several times because I thought I was misreading it. Yeah. I'm wondering if they corrected it online. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. I'm looking at the actual press release now. And it just says on Disney channels around the world. Is that the, are you looking at the one in your email, Jim? Or are you looking at the one that's posted online? I just clicked on the link. Okay. Alicia gave us a link. Alicia too. gave us a link. Okay. Um, well, it, it doesn't matter, I guess. So there you go. I think, I think it's going to be out on, uh, on disc on the same day that it premieres. October 3rd. On DVD. Yeah. Like you can go to Walgreens and or Walmart and buy the disc. No kidding. Yeah. Well, that's cool. But we still we don't have like any real word on where the show will be streaming online after it debuts on Monday nights. Um, no mention of iTunes. No mention of StarWars.com or DisneyXD.com. Hmm. So what are we gonna do? Well, Jason? I don't know what I'm gonna do. I I don't have cable anymore. Jason doesn't have cable. How are you going to moderate roundtables? I guess it'll be new to me. No, I'm I, sure there's going to be. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not exactly going to. I'm not going to go and you know, I can't spend 150 bucks a month for cable uh, just to do those roundtables. They've, they've got to have another distribution point. And and plus, Jim, I know that people will be putting those up on YouTube. I mean, within hours of them airing, they'll be up on YouTube. They take those down. I, look, I think they're going to have to find a an this day and age they've got platform to. for it that hasn't been announced or explained. Um, they're pushing this is because they want this to be the the premier 
you know, portal for it, but there's going to be ancillary ways to see it. I there hope has- so. I hope so. I mean, I mean I'm not you thinking really think there could there wouldn't be. I mean, at least starwars.com. I mean, they'd be crazy not to do that. But I mean, I don't know. I, here's the thing. What I, I look what starwars.com because that means free. Well, I think that there now I you know you're on to something, Kyle. I think that there's legs to that rumor that we heard months ago about an app. Months ago, there was talk about an app, and it was in the context of the Clone Wars bonus content being released that way. Um, and, of course, we found out how that ended up being released, and it was great. It's on, it's on Netflix. But I, I think, I mean, Disney is app crazy. Anybody with a kid in the five-, six-year-old range knows you download one Disney app, and you're just inundated with emails from Disney. And they, I swear they've got an app a day. Honest to God, they are cranking out apps like you wouldn't believe. That's their, that's a major distribution channel for them. Um, now, the sad thing is, if you have an Apple TV or if you have a, uh, you know, any kind of a set top box where they've released the uh, the apps uh, for those devices, you have to have a an account with a cable company to get the content. But you can't do it with Directv. You can't do it with DirecTV? I don't think so. I, I already looked into this, and it said um, you can't do whatever Disney XD if you have DirecTV. Yeah, it's it's really silly. I mean, my you know, I'm sitting here with an an Apple TV and uh, and a PlayStation Three, and you know, I've got subscriptions to Netflix and Hulu and uh, Amazon Prime and and all that. And w- what's frustrating is, what would I need the app for if I had cable? Like if I got the Disney channels on cable and had access to their on-demand equivalents also through cable, what the heck would I need an Apple TV app for Disney Channel for? So this is where you know new media and old media come together and they just don't mix. They just can't give up their old ways. Um, but it will be fascinating. It will be interesting to see. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that there's some way I'm going to be able to get it. I'm not the only cord cutter around. There are a lot of cord cutters um, that I know, just in my own circle. Um, so I'm I'm hoping and praying that something happens. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm pretty I, sure that you can't get Watch Disney, Watch Disney Junior, or Watch Disney XD apps um, if you subscribe to Directv. Yeah, I, I don't I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I mean, that, that's even more handcuffs that they're putting on us. Um, maybe that's going to be rectified soon. I mean, maybe people know. wouldn't pirate so damn much if they would actually make the content available legally. How's that? <laughs> Makes too I'm much gonna be, sense. I'm going to be standing there in front of the TV FaceTiming Jason so he can watch these episodes. Yeah, yeah right. No way. Now, it's called BitTorrent. That's what it's called. If I got to see it, I'll, I mean, but I'll see it come hook or crook. Well, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. So, but just so everyone is clear, it does debut Friday, October third at nine p.m. on Disney Channel. And Alicio puts in the P.S. Uh, along with the link to the actual press release. He says, "If you want to know where I got this true info from, hit this link and please pay more close attention to the press release." So there you go. We're being called out. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Get it together, well, Jason. I'll try. I'll try. I'm only one man, Benicio. I, I am. I am only one man. 
but anyway, there was a promo that aired on uh, Disney Channel about the series. Now, the series starts in uh, on October 13th. That's a Monday at 9, and that is on Disney XD. And we've got a little, um, we've got a little uh, uh, highlight here from the... The Rebels trailer. This October. How about you get that rust bucket under control? You're in for a real shock. Oh, look. Chopper made friends. <laughs> because these are the droids you're looking for. You can join our crew anytime. Oh, dear. What did he say? He said, hello, hyperspace. That's not what he said. Star Wars Rebels. Will our torment never end? Premieres Monday, October 13th at 9, 8 central on Disney XD. Well, if there was any guessing going on, we know that uh, R2 and 3PO are going to show up in Rebels. That, 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 that's been known for some time, but I think this is the first time we've actually seen a clip. Yeah, since they're action figures. <laughs> well, yeah, right. All right, Hasbro. Uh yeah. <laughs> way to build you know what i mean for those of you looking for uh episode seven spoilers just wait just wait hasbro will not disappoint they always do let the cat out of the bag they have those uh shareholder meetings where a loose-lipped ceo is up on stage bubbling over with excitement and before you know it a couple details at jj abrams you just wants to stick a fork uh, in you, the guy's head you, you know that is that that's that's a good point cuz i i don't know if you fellas remember I, the, the 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 first leaked action figure from episode 1 was the obi-wan kenobi figure and there were photos of it loose and uh, and with with, with the card uh, I mean, months and months and months before the release of the film. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking. I mean, we're we're closing in on a year. Um, those figures are going to be in production. I think I'm sure by first quarter of 2015. We oh, better I start getting the information on a mail away. I believe they're in production now. Do you I, uh, really? maybe a Fruit Loops pack in? <laughs> Uh, Frito Lay, Fruit Maybe Loops, Frito Lay advance offering. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Well, Maybe we'll get Hog Squaddle with Stap. <laughs> if they don't, I'll tell you. If they don't do some sort of a, a sneak peek uh, action figure promotion, which they will, I, I'm sure they will. But if they don't, it'll be the first Star Wars movie to come out without one. They've done them for all of them. They've huh? done them for all of them. Absolutely. It's I mean, if we back. go through, so um, well, you could go back Maybe to the first the movie, the heat. early bird. Uh, they did um, Boba Fett. He was the one for Empire. I, I think they also did Zuckus. Bosk. Bosk was Bosk was a mail away. Indeed. Was yes. it? Okay. Yes. So Bosk yes. Zuckus, um, and then for Return of the Jedi, Nine Num was a mail away. As was Palpatine um, and Akbar. Emperor, Akbar, well, Emperor was after the film came out. Yeah, um, and as was Anakin. Yeah, well, yeah, that Anakin figure. I just that was that was I, that was my holy grail as a kid. Wanted that figure oh, in the worst yes. way. My cousins got it. I never got it. But um, so, and then going into Episode One, you had the Mace Windu mail away. Kyle, as you mentioned, the Stap. Um, that was actually on. That was an advanced release, though. Advanced yeah. release, right? And then for episode two, there were four. There was an R right. two unit. I don't remember. There was Zam Wessel. There was uh, Django Fett, and then there was one other one. I can't remember, but there were four sneak preview figures uh, for episode two, and then episode three, uh, there was a uh, there was a Wookie, Wookie Warrior. There was, um, and there were a couple others. This as a mail away or as an advance? They weren't mail away. That's a good. That's a good point. Um, yeah, mail aways 
The last mail away. Good lord! The was last the, I want to say was the, the last mail away figure that Hasbro did was the guy from the Brainiac guy from uh, oh, what was his name? He was uh, a clone. Uh, yeah. He trained the clones. He was a bounty hunter. He was um. He came after Nadar Veb, right? Pondag Pond something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. For on Clone Wars, he was a Clone Wars mail away. That may be the last. That may be the last mail away ever. Or uh, was it the uh, prototype vintage carded Boba Fett? Oh, maybe you're right. I think that was the last one. Oh, well, yeah. so the guys at Yak Face noticed in a recent uh, video released by Hasbro. Um, showing the development of that six-inch Black Series speeder bike. I guess a computer monitor was in view in this video, and the guys at Yak Face freeze-framed it, and it says on the, um, on the screen, Star Wars Episode Seven Secondary Hero Battler, and then there's some numbers, JPEGs. So, <laughs> Oh, really? I yeah. didn't see this. This is fantastic. Yeah, they're JPEGs of different action figures they have under development. And um, you cannot see the actual pictures themselves. You only can make out just a little glimpse of, of the actual icons on this guy's desktop, on his computer monitor. But so what they say on Yak Face is that it goes without saying that Hasbro has been in episode seven mode for a while now. But the purpose of the post is to show the actual observable proof that development has commenced. So there you have it, Jason from Yak Face spreading the word. So they freeze-framed the video and zoomed in on this guy's computer screen. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is, uh, that's cool. So, uh, Jim, you're right. So I, I think it's a matter of, just a matter of time before uh, we start seeing an actual uh, photograph of a finished action figure i i don't know about you guys i mean there's a lot to be excited about with episode seven but going into the store and seeing new action figures of han solo and luke skywalker and princess leia i mean that that's exciting for me yeah. that's that's a real kick i mean just seeing those oh. those uh artist renditions of some rumored costumes that harrison ford's going to be wearing as han solo um it started making me thinking about the action figures and how much fun that's going to be. Totally. It's going to hit you right where it counts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, the wallet. Yeah. The wallet, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, mail away. That would be fun. And I would love to see these some of these old school promotions. I, Kyle, do you think that... Um, do you think that Hasbro, in the fervor, uh, JJ's fervor, to really bring this back to the to the basics and bring it back to that vibe in that field, do you think we'll see the return of the, the, the vintage card and, and some of that? I think abs, if JJ has as much say as I think he will or as much influence, um, I think he'll inspire everybody to kind of think back in, in cool ways. I think probably we'll get a retro style packaging i think we'll probably get retro style offer um yeah i mean i i'm i I don't see if you're talking in all these levels about how you're trying to tie it back to return of the jedi and that experience and picks up right after that and it's the spiritual companion to it then how would you not carry that over into all forms of i mean i'd bust out the burger king cups again and be like go to burger king 
Oh, I'm looking at them right now. Pups. I love, I love your sticker packages. It's you know. I speaking of stickers, you just reminded me. I, I, uh, my, my daughter brought home from her grandma's a a sticker book uh, for, for the movie Frozen, and it's one of those sticker books where you go and you 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 buy the packs of stickers, and then they're all numbered, and you put them in the book. And uh, she thought this was like the, the coolest thing ever. Like, look at this new thing. So I'm like, let me show you. So I go downstairs in the archives and I pull out my Return of the Jedi sticker book from Tops. That's still not complete. There's still a few missing stickers in there, but uh, it was talk about a nostalgia kick. It was it was really fun to look at hers, and then she was looking at at my stickers, and um, you know she thought she had invented something. And I'm like, no, that's that's been around for a while. But I would love to see that. I'd love to see you know the old the old fashioned sticker book. I'd love to see the 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 trading cards with the 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 mat. Um, you know, cardboard, kind of raw cardboard back to them and not these glossy, um, you know, wide vision cards and stuff like that. I would love to see them go just totally retro on this. But yeah, let's release the soundtrack on eight track, man. <laughs> That's how JJ likes Jim, it. Jim, did you ever Jim- have the Star Wars uh, soundtrack on eight track? No, no. I mean, my my story about the elusive Star Wars soundtrack during my childhood is something of legendary status at this point. It was the uh, Wonderland Records, uh, <laughs> terribly bad Star Wars uh, knockoff album that I had. I didn't have any soundtracks until I was much older. All right. Well, time will tell just how deep they go as far as creating that nostalgic retro 70s feeling but uh, if you're looking for some retro nostalgia if you're looking to uh, complete your Star Wars collection look no further than Dorkside Toys they've got the 6 inch black series Java and speeder bike the pallets just arrived at the beginning of the week and they've got more arriving daily they're trying to keep up with the demand they've been zooming out the doors so if you haven't picked up your 6 inch scale Jabba which is a beautiful piece and that and that speeder bike I mean if you thought the 12-inch guys were having all the fun, you got to check out this scale because they're absolutely beautiful. Um, they are it, it, the guys at Dorkside are just nuts over these. They're saying they really are the Star Wars toys of the year. And um, so, as we're approaching, you know, it's always slim pickings towards the end of the uh, calendar year on toys. Uh, so you want to make sure that if there's something out there that you uh, got your eye on, you get it now. And there's no place better than Dorkside. Um, so make sure you pick those up. Um, there's also the three. Don't forget about the three and three uh, quarter inch scale. Um, those are up for pre-order. The newest waves, uh, plus Rebels, uh, the Rebel Saga Legends, uh, the Mission series, um, the, the big Jumbo Kenner figures, and these new fabrications and those and the and the really cool those those pop figures, the Star Wars vinyl. Check those out. Um, also, Boba Fett in the six inch scale is still available. They just got an amazing, amazing selection of the best toys, not just Star Wars, but all the major franchises and brands also there. And the best way to do it is through shotglassdigital.com. That's our website. You click on the Dorkside banner, and just like hyperspace, you'll be teleported right into uh, the shopping trip of a lifetime. And I tell you, they are, do everything uh, first class. Their shipping is great, the figures come in perfect condition if you're card collector um you're gonna or mint on card collector you're gonna love it so check it out dorkside toys we thank them so much 
for their support of us here at Rebel Force Radio. All right. Yeah, it sounds like the most yeah. sensible way to get things oh. these days. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, when I'm looking for an 8-inch Chewbacca or when I want the 9-inch uh, line by Gentle Giant or the 13 and a quarter inch line from <laughs> Sideshow or the 2 and 1 eighth line from Hasbro or the Make It Stop guys. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! All right, we got some spoilers here, so if you don't want to, uh, if you don't want to be spoiled or have the chance of being spoiled, spoiled, then uh, you don't want to listen to this section. But we'll keep it, uh, we'll keep it interesting, and we'll keep it to fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes, Jim. Do you have the egg timer? Or you need me to set it. I do. It? You got the no, egg I timer? Got, okay, I right, got yeah. it. You know, we have to discipline ourselves here with these spoilers. So we're going to do fifteen minutes. So if uh, you do not want to hear any spoilers, if you want to go into Star Wars Episode Seven in December twenty fifteen, completely clean and pure of all spoilers, rumors, or any other facts about the film. Jump ahead 15 minutes. We'll meet you back here for the Billy D quote in a week, starting right. now. All right, Kyle, just the ground rules here. We're going we're gonna to talk about these rumors, and uh, we gotta, we're going to call Poodoo. Poodoo! Or we're going to say the force is strong with that rumor. The force is strong with this one. All right, All right. so here we go. We've got the first one. Adam Driver's character is an aristocrat whose heritage may be linked to Count Dooku. Kyle, what say you? Count Dooku reference in the sequels? Poodoo on the Dooku reference, but maybe yes on the aristocrat. Okay. Yeah, there's been some reports out there that say he is um, he uses his influence right to hunt Sith relics and spend money yeah. to hunt down people and kill them. Well, yeah, like holocrons or whatever After sort of hearing like a voice in his head is some rumor, right? And what if it's Count Dooku? Ooh, but no, with the voice in his head, it says, this is what's interesting. And it's no one really was talking about this. But the voice in his head begins about the same time of Luke Skywalker's disappearance. Do you guys read that? That's in this spoiler, right? No, I have yeah. I've not read that. I've not read that part. Oh, so there's this, well, there's a sim- it's similar. It's talking about, it's the same thing. But I read an elaboration on it somewhere. And it said, you know, he... He hunts down the existing Jedi's. That this only starts happening about ten years, you know, before the movie begins, and that um, he gets voices in his head about the same time as Luke Skywalker's disappearance. So it got me wondering as to why the timing coinciding with Luke's disappearance. And um, does this have any? I don't know. You know, George always said this trilogy was about moral ambiguity, and um, is Luke involved? I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. So, you know what? We had heard previous reports that Luke had been missing since right after the events of Return of the Jedi, which would mean no one had seen Luke for 30 years. But recent reports are saying that he's only been MIA for 10 years. Was he captured? Is he in a self-imposed exile? And what does it have to do with the voices in Adam Driver's head? Kyle, did you hear the the Dagobah rumor that Luke is hiding out on Dagobah. I did. I think it makes sense for Luke to, if it's a self-imposed exile to either be on Tatooine or Dagobah. If it's, uh, Luke has been captured then you know, that kind of jives with the, him at the center of a Sith planet kind of thing or in some type of custody. Um, obviously right, well, they're keeping him alive, right? Yeah. 
Because we know well, Luke's in the movie, and if his disappearance happens before, then he's alive. So he's going to come into play because we know Mark Hamill's on set. What about the Inquisitors? What's your take on that? I don't know. I think it's I, I think it's interesting. I mean, there's so many things out there. I just it's trying to sift through the information. I think the Inquisitors thing is actually in in a logic way. It's kind of fascinating to me, and I think it. There could be both. You could have someone speaking in Adam Driver's head, and you could also have this sect of people. It kind of reminds me of those guys, like in Last Crusade, who protected the Holy Grail, you know. And they're, the brothers, they're, yes, yeah. There's a subsect of people that are entrusted to ensure that the Emperor's will, that the dark side's will, is kind of seen through. And why wouldn't there be people? Obviously. Luke Skywalker is kind of like, he's mine, no one touch him. But these other people were dispatched throughout the galaxy hunting down the remnants of the Jedi. And and also, if you're Force-sensitive, they either bring you into the fold or chop your head off, you know? It just occurred to me that we never did really talk about the note that J.J. Abrams had <laughs> we, we talked about his his social network style, but we never talked about what was the note. And it was something about Apple Watches. But he placed it on a table where you saw in the background there were the lighting fixtures that you're so familiar with seeing on the Death Star, those those rounded, oval, long, elongated oval shapes that – you know, populate the walls of the Death Star, um, iconic looking and everything. And you could see that reflecting onto this table that J.J. placed the note. So you assume to yourself that J.J. wrote the note and took the picture on the set of Star Wars Episode Seven. So how do you think that environment comes into play? Is it just sort of a typical Imperial design? I know some people were reporting things about a new Death Star, and I think that's a little bit out of left field. I don't see them going back to a Death Star. I don't know why everyone's six. making such a big deal of this. Haven't didn't we assume that we would probably see the remnants of you know imperial like doesn't have Jim, imperial design? Yeah, that that yeah. that design aesthetic is littered throughout the Star Wars, especially well, it's littered throughout the Clone Wars for sure. Yes, especially as you notice the waning days of the Republic, especially that sequence where Ahsoka was on trial and she was in that giant courtroom and it was completely littered with that sort of design aesthetic. So it's not just a Death Star thing. And also we saw it along the the corridors of the Republic cruisers in Clone Wars. We had the same hallways as the Death Star. It's not exclusive to the Death Star. Do you know how expensive the Death Star would be if you brought an interior designer to specifically make it look like that? And it wasn't prefab to be everywhere throughout the (laughs) Empire? There you go. The guy's like, no, it should really be over here. And it messes with the feng shui. And your shiny table, you have to have a shiny table. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing was the shiny table. That's right, the shiny table. It's got to be shiny table. Come on. JJ, he's he's a confirmed liar. (laughs) (laughs) Think about it. Think about the Star Trek stuff. Everybody point blank said to our faces that is not con. You can't trust anything that's coming out. They're playing with us. They're toying with us. They're having fun with it. It's a liar in a fun way. You know, they just don't. They're having. They're just messing with us. He knows that we're going to sit around and talk about it. So that's why he put it on a reflective table. Made, a, made for a cool photo, but I, you know, like I said, I, you know, seeing 
seeing uh, references to the, the old imperial design is not wasn't wasn't to be a spoiler. Questionable is that he actually wants an Apple Watch. <laughs> oh come on! All right, well, back to uh, episode seven though. Adam Driver specifically, we were talking about how his heritage may be linked to Count Dooku, how he may be seeking out Sith artifacts and hearing voices in his head and stuff. Well. Some reports are saying that he's actually going to try to revive the Sith, and he's going to take the name Darth Ruin. Did you hear that one, Kyle? Yes, and the voice speaking to him is that of Darth Ruin anciently, um, thus being the ancient fear. Ah, and that was a rumored title for Episode 7, too. The well, which, is a, which is an interesting parallel to A New Hope is the direct opposite, you know, is an ancient fear which is very different to it's in almost similar to a phantom menace, you know? Hmm. Now, Darth Ruin, he is, that's a name we've heard in old Republic expanded universe stuff. I don't know. He's actually canon Darth Ruin. Isn't he mentioned in one of the novels, the the adaptations, film adaptations? You know what? Um, No, I think you're right. I think it was, it was uh, Lucas who actually, created the character Darth Ruin is yes, part of the he's not as yeah he's not as like um you know drawn upon as say Darth Bane was obviously they did a lot more with him after George mentioned it but I believe Darth Ruin was cited in a novelization that came out of a conversation one of the authors had with George I don't know if if he's ever really talked about but that's how he kind of squeaked in there as an official Sith we only know of several Darths Sidious Tyrannus, Vader, Plagueis, Bane, Bane, and Ruin. And Ruin. Those are the only darts that are canon. Okay, so I think, if, if I remember correctly, that George created Darth Ruin as a guy who sort of created the Sith, and he brought together a bunch of warriors, but they couldn't work together and ended up killing each other off. And it was Darth Bane then who revived the Sith as the rule of two. Darth Bane, yeah, he was the last one of it, and he realized they were always going to destroy themselves. So he's the one who went into hiding and kind of waited it out by just picking an apprentice, right, and setting in that thousand years of preparation. There you go. So it sounds like Darth Ruin was kind of, um, you know, an initial architect, but his philosophy, his general philosophy failed unless it wasn't really his fault and no one really, his disciples didn't really listen to what he was saying. So, There's a lot more expanded universe about him than is actually. Yeah, that's why killed. I'm calling Poodoo on this. Poodoo! Calling ah. total Poodoo. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it does come from George and these films are based on George's story treatments then I'd say that it definitely has a really good chance of being legit. The Force is strong with this one. I think it's just, they're going to pick somebody, and I don't think they're going to touch Dooku, Plagueis, or Darth Bane. Um, I think this is one of the only candidates <laughs> out there, unless it's somebody totally new, and it makes sense that you'd have some ancient voice speaking to him. Well, the, the voice is if, – if there's going to be a voice, it's clearly going to be Sidious. It's clearly going to be – I don't know. I, I, I think it is. If, if, he, if, uh, if he started hearing voices around the time that uh, 
Luke disappeared and he allegedly disappeared shortly after uh, the events of Return of the Jedi, then uh, I, I think that that's... But there's another uh, and, and, and that's the only rumor. You know, we've heard there was a rumor a couple of weeks ago that Ian McDiarmid might be, um, or the Emperor might play a, into this film, but not in the physical form. It might be a disappointment. Well, I've always thought he should be in it, but as a holocron, and he's one of the artifacts that then this guy would be collecting and um, pouring over. He would be obsessing over these things and listening to everything that's in them, acquiring as much knowledge as he can so he could be the catalyst and jumpstart for what is the Sith, the new Sith. And um, But there's this voice in, in his head which has prompted him to do so. Um, whereas the Palpatine, I would see it being used as he embedded himself, his essence in a holocron, and obviously he's not a ghost or communicating from the dead. And I don't, so I don't know what that means. The voice in the head is, but did you, did I read the same rumor you guys? Because I also read in here that Adam driver, his character, if he is the villain, then has a, um, he's duped by the end of this movie. There's a twist to it all about what the voice in his head was or how he was, he was played is what it was said. Really? Something that, I believe about his character is he definitely starts off on the side of good at the beginning of the film and then slips into the bad side, the dark side, because there's a photo here that badass digest has of guy walking around the Greenham common set. And it sure looks like Adam driver. And it sure looks like he's wearing an X wing pilot uniform. Which, uh, you know, goes back to what Jason was saying, where Jason believes that black and orange fighter is actually Adam Driver's characters. So that's why I think he was photographed on the set of the film wearing an X-Wing pilot uniform. Or did he land there in his stealth fighter and no one sees it and he's just walking around because he's trying to get to that food truck? (laughs) The food truck. Oh my goodness. I don't know. I don't know. I've heard some stuff and I hear he's... Not good. <laughs> <laughs> He's not good. And there's one other photo to come out of the uh, Greenham Commons set featuring uh, someone who looks a lot like Gwendolyn Christie wearing an olive drab shirt and black pants. Oh, and that's oh. all the time we have. <sighs> and so Yaddle is definitely going to be in it then. And that's the last spoiler we have. <laughs> This is Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. It's time for the quote of the week. Hello, what have we here? It's just me, Billy D. And don't mess this up, man. Be smooth. Lando's right. Billy D. Sorry, baby. It's just business. Why you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler? Works every time. And Lando Calrissian is forever. <laughs> All right, this week on Billy D. Quote of the Week, we're paying tribute to two legends two legends of course each and every week here on rebel force radio we pay tribute to the great legend of billy d williams and the legend of cool but we're also in mourning here at the billy d quote of the week just like the entertainment world is mourning the loss of joan rivers who passed away earlier this month the incredible comedian who had uh just been kicking it for decades after decade. You, you never thought Joan Rivers was going to go away, but uh, yeah, we lost Joan Rivers. And uh, 
Jason, do you remember when Joan had her own TV show in the 90s, the Joan River show? Yeah, this was uh, what led to the big falling out between her and Johnny Carson. That's exactly right. Uh, well, of course, if there's a, a big-time talk show happening, you know that Billy D is going to walk through those doors sooner or later. So we actually do have some highlights of Billy D. Williams appearing on the Joan River show. We're going to play a little bit for you this week, and we're going to play a little more for you next week just because we're a little short on time this week. But uh, here's Billy D. Um, this is Joan introducing Billy in, in a way that really only she can. And uh, then they get into a, a funny little conversation about his sex symbol status. Well, my first guest, we don't know if he wears briefs or boxes, but we'll ask him. And he doesn't have to worry about getting a Valentine return because most women would kill just to re-lick the stamp on his envelope. Will you please welcome the adorable, cute Billy D. Williams. Notice, but you I, came out. I came out. I didn't I had no idea. You came out, <laughs> and they all went crazy, and they wouldn't stop applauding. And America thinks that was for me. Boy, <laughs> they said they liked Joan this morning. He was out on the set. How are you doing? How, how does it feel to be a sex symbol? You know what I'm saying? We, I mean, we come out and the women go nuts. I don't know. I never think about it to tell you the truth. Were you adorable in high school and in grade school? Did the girls like you? Know if they liked well, I'll tell you, you. I'll give you a story. When I was about three years old, I used to like to wander a great deal. Yeah. Time, you know, because I was always curious about things. And uh, my mother and my sister and my father and me, we used to go out to Orchard Beach all, all sure. the time. You know, you remember Orchard yeah. Beach, but it was clean. Yeah. <laughs> You're that old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. But anyway, uh, 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 I was about three years old, and I, I got lost, and they, they were looking for me, and they found me with a, a group of girls about uh, surrounded by these, a bevy of girls, and I had these Cupid lips all over my face. <laughs> wow! It starts young. Surrounded by a bevy of girls, and I had these Cupid lips all over my face. Three years old. Yeah. Kyle, watch uh, little James Knight. You might find him surrounded by a bevy of babes. I've seen it happen already. Oh, oh I bet you have. I bet you have. <laughs> Taking places, everybody wants to hold them, everyone oh. wants a piece of them. It's just got the coolest hair. It's all about the hair. <laughs> he does have great hair, I'll tell you. I'm loving the, the pictures that you put. It looks, like he, it looks like he's a, you know, he's like little Ron Wood. <laughs> <laughs> so Billy D with uh, Joan Rivers, and boy, what a loss. It's it, it really is a shame, especially under the circumstances. Uh, that are coming out, but uh, we don't want to dwell on that. But it's great to hear Billy D, and uh, that's some vintage Billy D. That goes back. What'd you say to the to the? That's got to be late eighties. Was he on there promoting Batman? Well, you know what she uh, she she kicked off her show in eighty nine, and it ran for a few years throughout the nineties. Um, I'm you guessing know what? Batman. I'm guessing he was there for Batman. Yeah, I'll try to dig up some more information about this particular uh, appearance, but uh, I just, you know, didn't want the Billy D quote of the week to go on much further without us paying tribute to uh, the late, great Joan Rivers. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Well, if you've got a Billy D quote of the week that you would like to send us, you can do so. Show at rebelforceradio.com. Subject line, Billy D.
Oh, good times indeed here at Rebel Force Radio. Big thanks first to our sponsors, Dorkside Toys and Little Debbie Snack Cakes. Check them out. Thank them so much for their support of us here on the program. Also, big thanks to our guest, co-host Kyle Newman. Kyle, thanks, man, for sticking around. Guys, anytime. I'm, I'm, I'm back. You're back. I'm ready if you ever need All reinforcements. Right. Well, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> you re- we might need reinforcements just to deal with the fallout from uh, your appearance. We might have to have you back. No, just, uh, <laughs> help us with that. Yeah, that uh, happens. Sometimes. It does happen. I, I, am, I am opinionated. Well, um, but yeah. uh, you know, if you guys get the the um, rebels roundtables running, um, I'd happily come on and chat some rebels. Oh, we're going to be chatting rebels. We are definitely going to be chatting rebels. Rebels Declassified will be coming soon to the to the uh, Shot Glass Digital Network and the whole family of Star Wars programming. Even if I have to uh, download Ill- Ill- illegally, I will. I'm not beyond that. <laughs> Won't be the first time. All right. Uh, if you'd like to email us, you can do so. Show at rebelforceradio.com. That's show at rebelforceradio.com. The voicemail line, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. You can follow us on the Twitter. And it's not that chick that works for JJ. It's actual the Twitter web service at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank. And Kyle, you're also on Twitter. What's that? At Kyle underscore Newman? Kyle underscore Newman. Yes, and on same on Instagram for uh, lots of fun. Right, right. And for those of you, uh, underscore is uh, it's a symbol on the keyboard. You don't actually type Kyle underscore Newman. Just, I know some of you out there. I, I get the emails. I know you're out there. iTunes is a great place to subscribe and review all the shows here at um, part of the Rebel Force Radio family of Star Wars programming, as well as the rest of the programming that you can be they can be heard through the Shot Glass Digital Network. You can leave us a review. Just have one rule. Make it good. And the official website for all things and everything, Rebel Force Radio, rebelforceradio.com. And yes, we are proud to be a member of the Shot Glass Digital Empire. Empire! Which they can also be found on Facebook at facebook.com slash shotglassdigital. If you're into web radio, you can listen to... RFR just about each and every Saturday night at 7 p.m. on srsounds.com. That sources radio sounds. And don't forget, your Rebel Force Radio t-shirt can be had also at shotglassdigital.com. That's going to do it. We'll see you guys next week. Love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. Kyle. And I'm Kyle. <laughs> And remember, the force will be with you always. I had these Cupid lips all over my face.